Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide podcast. Me and Casey are back uh, after my trip to Monterey last week. I'm back with my co-host. We're having a great time talking our favorite subject in all the golfing world, and that is Mr. Tiger Woods. Uh, before we did that, we got a little bit into um, the whole Kirkland golf, you know, Kirkland signature Costco golf ball saga, uh, and then we take a pretty deep dive into all things Tiger Woods. Um, I always enjoy talking about Tiger. I know Casey really enjoys talking Tiger, and uh, if you are going to continue to listen to this podcast, I would assume that it's because you like listening to everything and anything regarding Tiger Woods. So um, without any further delay, I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Golf Guide podcast. That's great. Absolutely. Well, oh, we've been a month now, like a little over a month uh, since we've done something delightful like this. Time flies. Time certainly does fly. I really should have started this podcast at a time where I was a huge loser because there were times like that, and I still kind of am a loser. But not, not to say that we're not losers right now. Not as huge of a loser as I used to be. Certainly not. But uh, I used to be a big loser. Yeah. And then I could have recorded practically every minute of the day. Oh, yeah. And we would have had a lot more content. Although that would have severely cut down on my masturbation time. Because at, at one point, in my, at my losery height, you know, we're, it, there was this, hey, okay. a lot of that going on. You, you overlook a really simple thing. This is a podcast. You can masturbate and do the podcast at the same time. Well put. In fact, we're probably going to do that later in this podcast now that the thought has occurred to us. The joy of having this thing be audio only is that you never actually know what's going on in the studio as you're listening to this right now. Yeah, so just a, just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's a corollary to that whole thing about the news anchors having no pants on. <laughs> the, the, the podcast anchors might have their dicks out. <laughs> well, I, I say on that note, as we start to begin yet another glorious podcast and our first podcast the two of us the two co-hosts of the golf guide podcast of 2017 we are recording this quite literally as far away from the fucking pga show in orlando while still being in america as humanly possible and can i tell you something that feels kind of good if, yeah. I, I know you actually have a life and you don't well, pay attention to golf well, and you know follow a bunch of golf on I, social media I and do, stuff i do um are, are you aware of this I'm not aware grand of the, escapade that's happening on the other side of the country right I'm now. I'm not aware of that. I'm not. It's a trade show, I'm guessing. It's a, it's a trade show. It's called the PGA Show. It's the largest golf merchandising trade show in the world. And it is, is Amazon's Alexa or Echo <laughs> there or whatever those fucking things are? I I couldn't even begin to tell you. I've never been and I kind of am, I'm a little proud that I've never been. Um, not to say that if you went, it would suck. I'm sure, you know, we could find a way to have a, a decent time there. Are there sleeves of Kirkland balls available? No. Now, have you heard the news about these Kirkland balls? I heard they're great. We talked about this the last time, but so, I still am trying to get my hands on I, I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast are a little more tuned into the golf universe than you are. Um, however, they are no more. Oh my God. They no. are no moss. What the fuck is that about? So here's basically the story, as I understand it, from reading an article on my golf spy. Uh, Tony Covey, I think, was the name of the author who's basically doing most of the research on the Kirkland ball and kind of the story behind it. And then, because when I read his article, uh, I also had some privy information because uh, the men's club that I belong to, the general manager of the local Costco, is also in the men's club. 
and was giving me some info about what he knew about the Kirkland ball. So after reading the article on my golf spy, I was able to reach out to the author on on Twitter, and we had a little bit of conversation where he was sharing some you're, information you're practically, with me. Uh, you know Woodward and Bernstein. I'm a, this I'm a fucking insider. You're doing. You know, I'm I'm an insider on the outside. You, you, need, know, a, you need a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, yeah. So after doing that, he uh, was kind of explaining stuff to me. I actually invited him uh, onto the podcast to see if he wanted to share everything. But as soon as I extended an invitation to allow him to promote my golf spy and share his side of the story, I immediately got no responses. So we'll, we'll, well <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You know, that's okay. A lot of the other people that I've asked. It's my golf spy. It's not your yeah. golf spy. <laughs> and uh, But basically, the story goes is that uh, Costco never had their own manufacturing facility. What they did was they bought an excess amount of cores from another manufacturer. So they bought these however many thousands of cores they did, and they took it to another golf ball manufacturer and had them um, produce the outside like layer or two for the golf ball. And then, boom, that was the Kirkland ball. Well, it just turns out, you know, they struck gold and the ball that they ended up having made for them was as good as a Pro V1. Well, now that it's become, you know, the hottest story in golf technology and I mean, I don't know how many years, um, they're out. They sold so many more than they were anticipating because they, they didn't know it was going to be some Wait cult phenomenon. Wait a minute. So they got cores. They got cores from one ball company, excess cores, cores that w- this company was not able to use because they didn't have the... And it's, a secret, to, and it's a secret which company that is. No, no. I, I believe if you give me like a, a minute, I could probably look it up here because I know it's still in my, my Twitter direct messages from the information that he was uh, I find it hard, kind enough to share with me. I find it hard to believe that uh, a company that invests a lot in its golf balls, like any of these major golf ball manufacturers, would let excess cores that are identical to their balls be sold off well the thing is the core is only a small component of the ball's overall performance i mean so many other things go into you know what it eventually turns Most of out it to has be. to do with the asshole hitting it <laughs> <laughs> that uh that is a fact um but actually I, I know that it's in here somewhere but really the funny thing about it is and i may have told you this last time of all the major golf ball manufacturers how many of them actually make their own balls i figure that they all contract out with with manufacturers but that mm-hmm. they probably jealously guard the particular inputs to the product that has their name on well the thing is they they should have been protecting their guards and now with this kirkland signature phenomenon they will be they, they learned quite the a lesson big fuck up major major fuck up so essentially what costco did is they essentially purchase a fixed number of scrap cores or like overruns from one of the major manufacturers Okay, that that that's what they ended up buying. See, every good luxury brand. See, golf balls are basically luxury brands. When you talk about good balls mm-hmm. like Pro V's, we we all know that they perform really well. But the price difference for the average golfer doesn't justify spending that. But mm-hmm. it's a luxury brand. People want to yeah. spend it to emulate the best players in the world and to get the best quality ball. So for luxury brands, what they usually do with overstock is they destroy it. And if you look at uh, Louis Vuitton and all those uh, handbag companies that your wife or girlfriend probably has has uh, guilted you into spending <laughs> money for, uh, they all just burn their shit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not letting people buy overstock. There's no such thing as overstock. And so that's what these golf ball companies should have been doing. And after this, I'm sure that's what will happen. So they, they buy these essentially scrap cores, which are overruns from one of the major manufacturers. 
and from what the you know the my golf spy gentleman Tony gathered, um, the remaining three layers, which would be a dual mantle cover, uh, were put on by a company called Nassau, which I I'm not sure where they're based out of. They're, it's non-US. That's not that's not the uh, people who put a man on the moon. Right? <laughs> uh, that will just left to be determined. I I'll, I'll check on the spelling for you. No, but the N A S S A U. Oh, oh, okay. Am I pronouncing that wrong? Nassau. No, you got it right. Uh, I, it might I be just... German or something like that. They actually make no, it's a ball. Ba- ba- it's probably Bahamian. <laughs> I think Nassau might be the capital of the Bahamas. <laughs> but they make a ball called the Quattro, which is actually really, really good. It's uh, obviously it's lesser known, but it's kind of like a Vice or Snell Golf, who make really, really top, you know, top-notch golf balls, but just don't have the marketing capabilities that some of the you know, domestic manufacturers or are domestic the, brands do are those balls on the approved list yes yes they're approved by the end so what happened is uh costco buys these cores and then they have nassau bahama light whatever it might be um basically match the exterior of their quattro ball which is their top flight you know they're <laughs> not to use a uh, another go- not, not to use another uh, golf ball pun but um yeah the important detail is that from a usga perspective the quattro which is Nassau's like top flight ball, and I think the, it's Nassau. That makes way more sense. So Nassau's Quattro and the Kirkland Signature Ball have identical characteristics, okay, including the pairing of the construction and the dimple count um, that really was only on the Quattro before the Kirkland came out. And <laughs> essentially, these things were relabeled Quattros, which are really high end balls that also closely match a Pro V1, but are far less expensive. So. When that supply of cores ran out, Costco was effectively shut down because, as you know, this turned into like a cult phenomenon. And all of a sudden, Titleist is sitting there holding their dick, being like, well, what the fuck? Like, we're selling this exact same thing for four times the price. Like, how the fuck are these guys doing it? And it shed a lot of light on, you know, for the consumers at least, like, hey, like, what kind of a fucking margin is Titleist making? Or are all these guys making? Like, people are paying $50 a dozen for balls when. These people can make something identical for a quarter of the price. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Mm-hmm. The, uh, all this light has been shed on exactly what it costs to produce a golf ball because nobody really knew before. And now the golf ball industry has essentially been burned so hard and that they've kind of been made to look like assholes that, like you just said, they're not going to make that fucking mistake again. Right. I mean, these things are patent protected so that only certain people for a certain amount of time can manufacture these cores i'm sure they're patentable so it's shocking that you would sell Mm -hmm. any of that stock to anybody but your contract partners that you know sort of provided the money that enabled you to develop that technology but it is interesting to see and it's interesting to see whether this will embolden uh a new entrant maybe into the market Right, because, I mean, uh, Sunday before... And Costco fucked up. Well, the only three brands that actually produce their own golf balls and that they own their own manufacturing facility and they actually produce their own golf balls is Titleist, Srixon, and... Oh, no. Maybe I forgot the third one. <laughs> God, you're, you're like the Rick Perry of this <laughs> podcast. Um, well, anyway, uh, speaking of... Uh, who knows... Bridgestone? Yes, thank you. Bridgestone. It is Bridgestone. Good call. So it's Bridgestone, Strixon, and Titleist are the only ones that make their own golf balls. Every other golf ball you see out there, including the two other major big ones, I mean, Callaway now has the second largest market share 
of any uh, golf for ball balls in, in the United States. Oh correct. come on, I'm serious. That's impossible. I, it seems impossible, but for some fucking have reason, you ever it's true. And they don't make their own golf have ball. Have you ever hit a Callaway golf ball that was good? No, neither have I. No, no, never have. And I, believe me, I'm a, I'm not good. I admit <laughs> that readily. I'll <laughs> say it every podcast, but <laughs> I've been my worst when I've played Callaway balls. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, they're they're high end luxury golf balls priced in a you know and they make a, a similar d- price point as the fucking pro v1 and which they make seems decent they make decent you know woods and irons they just can't make a golf ball right but here's that that's the thing they're not making it right well that explains it which, which is so wild but they have the second largest market share but taylor made still operates at a loss on their golf balls i and mean they make a pretty good golf ball too or they have in the past the lethal yeah, was good yeah the tour preference or performance or whatever one was was okay yeah, i thought yeah it was um but so basically for Costco going forward, the most plausible path for Costco to get back into the ball business is to basically either go to one of these facilities and actually own a line in the factory that produces their own cores for them so they can kind of get into business and sell it. But I have to tell you what, all the other ma- manufacturers are going to boycott those factories if they start agreeing to sell to Costco again. That's basically what's going to happen. They're going to say, okay, well, they, yeah, you can make balls for Costco. However, all of our business is gone. Well, it's going it, elsewhere. It all, it all just has to do with the uh, terms of the contracts. I'm sure there are a lot of lawyers who are I'll, involved in this. I'll bet you I'm that is Very jealous correct. of them. It'd be a fascinating uh, case to work on. So the guy from my golf spy, and I was kind of thinking the same thing because the, the Costco general manager that I spoke to absolutely said that there will be a Kirkland ball again. But uh, when I brought that up to the gentleman from my golf spy he said that he's pretty confident there will be a new kirkland ball eventually probably not within the next year or and so might, and it might suck right but it's going to be different he said but it's going to be from an, it's going to be an entirely different ball the core and the exterior is going to be from a totally different source and when i was like well is it possible that i mean they did what they did last time can't they do you know at least try to replicate it you go in the same place he's like listen man lightning's not going to fucking strike twice they they got really lucky in that last one, and it's hard to fathom they'll be able to produce a ball at that that has that good of performance really ever again unless they somehow invest ungodly amounts of money in their own production facility, which is well, quite know, expensive. This is how legends are born. Yeah, you know, for for the next couple of decades, people are going to see Kirkland balls pop up here and there. Yeah, and they're going to be cherished. Absolutely. I mean, shit. The next Even person, though they're the same as whoever's every other list, good ball. The but. next person to listen to this podcast who goes to Bannon Trails will find six of my Kirk, all six of the Kirkland signature balls I ever had lost on that one golf course. Enjoy yourselves. There should be one in the shit <laughs> on the right side of the eighth hole. Two Kirkland golf balls in that fucking shit patch that uh, separates the eighth, eighth green uh, from the ninth tee box. So if you guys go rummaging around there, I'm sure... You can find a couple of very nice case of golf balls in there. Um, yeah, man, it, you're, you're right. It, it, it's going to always just kind of be this weird equipment legend that, uh, I don't know. Well, it was cool to watch it happen from start to finish. And, man, was that short-lived. Because the thing is, everybody who bought those Kirkland balls bought 10 fucking boxes. Because I was the ma- like, all the Costco stores had a limit of 10, but every box had two dozen. It's like Elaine on Seinfeld when she bought all the birth control sponges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people have a, a lot of loyalty. Uh, speaking of loyalty, transitioning, please, slightly, to clubs. Yes. Did you read the very lengthy ESPN article about Tiger Woods' Scotty Cameron putter? I did not. 
it's I believe it's ESPN. It's a wonderful article. I'm very excited that you've read some golf literature that I, I'm not privy I have, to. So I, I, I would for the first let's, time let, I'm bringing something here to the table. Let, let's switch roles. So obviously, there's a lot of talk now about Tiger Woods, who is playing tomorrow at Torrey Pines. This is some big time. Show. We're we're, we're going to get into that in more detail. Here. I mean, that that's really the main reason that we're both here right now. Because he's, he's playing tomorrow at the last place he was actually Tiger Woods. He's playing there again. <sighs> he did come up with a video today saying that that's probably. Perhaps one of his two or three favorite memories of all his professional career. You mean winning the U.S. Open? Winning that Open at, at Torrey. And then birdieing the 18th hole from the rough. On fucking to, half a leg. Yeah. <laughs> after hitting a fairway bunker. It was pretty cool. Fuck. So. He has put back in the bag the Scotty Cameron putter. Right. That he used for all of his major championships, but the 97 Masters, where he had a, a different putter. Hmm. So... Obviously, eventually he put in this horrible, you know, succession of Nike putters. I don't know if it was more than one or not, but it was the element putter or whatever it was. And whatever kind of you shit. know, he he sucked ass over those years. But there <laughs> there were there were a lot of reasons for it. Correct. Uh, who's who's to say what the reasons were? But his putting uh, was worse than it used to be. And you figure, okay, Tiger Woods. Uh, Physical ailments, knee problems, back problems, Achilles problems, whatever the case may be. None of that really should provoke a, a terrible uh, deterioration in putting. Mm -hmm. And uh, he certainly didn't seem to have any, you know, yips putting or any problems like that. So no. you, you sort of are left grasping for explanations. And one of the ones that would come to mind would be equipment and so the equipment changed he he added the nike ball he added the and the nike ball he had for for a few years prior and it, you know he won majors with the nike ball but mm -hmm. he added the nike putter hasn't won basically he, he had that great season uh a few years ago where he won i think five times on tour and he did have yeah, that yeah. putter but he hasn't won a major since then his putting has been worse statistically and now he's got the putter back in the bag since Nike got out of the hard equipment business, and he putted quite well uh, at the Hero. Um, you know, accounting for the rust that you yeah. have when you've taken that much of a layoff, you're not going to be quite as sharp on your short putts especially. But nevertheless, there's a lot of speculation that the return to the putter is going to stand Tiger in in good stead and that it might be kind of the the secret sauce with him being excellent again sure and uh you know there's all these legendary stories you know he won't let his son touch the putter he'll let him touch every other putter except the one that he won the 97 masters with and this scotty cameron but axel put that down <laughs> <laughs> but lo and behold it's not a particular model or even a particular spec of a particular model. No, it's I mean, an actual I... specific putter. Oh. And there's only one of them. And he's... It's not just like he likes using the Titleist Scotty Cameron no, Newport 2. No, it's not two. just like the Scotty Cameron Newport 2 with the certain shaft and the certain grip and the certain... None of that's good enough. It's the fucking putter. It's the putter. And he... It's a fantastic article. And they talk to, you know... The designer, his name is Scotty Cameron, if I'm not mistaken. It, Although his I name did is indeed briefly Mr. Read the Scott Cameron. That's right. correct. Yeah. <laughs> this is the level of knowledge. This is the you level can, of knowledge you're being you treated can, to. You can follow folks. him on Instagram. Yeah, Mr. Cameron, which 
Sadly, I do. Because <laughs> I'm pathetic. There you go. <laughs> well, this fucking guy, he was working with Tiger a lot back in the late 90s uh, to build this perfect putter. Scotty Cameron was. Yes. Okay. And so Tiger Woods is in the studio and this, that, and the other thing. And eventually, Scotty Cameron does his best to produce the perfect putter. But he tests it out before he's going to ship it out to Tiger. And he notices that the weight is a little bit, you know, grams off uh, in terms of the balance. And Maybe a, even milligrams off. Could have been milligrams. You just, know, you just don't know. So he drills this big red shallow hole in the back cavity of the putter. And then some other hole in the heel somewhere to drop the weight down. And, uh, you know, he hadn't done that with any of the other, certainly not with any kind of stock putter. And uh, he did that because I think the article said that he knew that Tiger could could tell if he didn't get the weight perfect that the weight wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. So he does it, and that's the putter. It's got this big red dot in the back. It says Scotty Cameron on it. And Tiger would send it in for adjustments, mm -hmm. but that's the same putter, the same head, same shaft, I think. Um, you know, periodically he would kick it against something or hit it in anger against uh, one of his girlfriends. I don't I know who he'd hit it against. Many and many women have been saying that same thing about Tiger's head and shaft for many, many years. That's, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, so he would, he would repair it and things like that, but uh, that's the same putter, and now that is back in the bag. Wow. It's so interesting that something would be so special and near and dear to him that he would treasure, more, more or less is probably the correct word, that he actually would take it out of his bag to begin with. Money. I mean, I, I guess, so but like, you, you would think Nike would be like, oh, yeah, we can replicate it, but probably not, right? We're, we're now seeing a pretty uh, Gettysburg-like trail of bodies in the <laughs> professional golf world of guys who switched equipment and sucked yeah yeah i guess that's true. rory mcelroy you know there's really no arguing that he he struggled with the nike equipment mm -hmm. maybe it's just switching to nike maybe if you switch to other companies it's not so bad but to be fair nike has always been i'm not gonna say notorious but right. i'm not most, most golfers who have a choice in what equipment to play never played nike stuff i'm not hitting a golf ball with a shoe <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not wearing uh I'm not wearing an athletic top to knock into the hole. Anyway. That's yeah, well put. So yeah, I think fair enough. But so Tiger's back, he's got the tailor made woods, he's got the Yeah, so so what do you think? I think about he may the, still have the Nike irons, but uh, he might have switched does, back to Titleist. He doesn't, doesn't have Nike irons from what I from what I know. In fact, so the one thing I know for sure is that he has um now the Cameron putter, he's using a tailor-made M2 driver, which was kind of announced today. Although and a tailor-made three wood too, I believe a three wood. And he's got Vokey he, wedges back, right? I think he has Nike wedges. Really? Oddly enough, yeah. Oh my god! I think he's still using Nike wedges, and the type of irons that he's going to use, I don't know. Something tells me he it may be tailor-made irons, hmm. um, because of the dealy side. But he's also using a Bridgestone ball, right? So that that's kind of Tiger's what's in the bag as far as we know until we see what he's got in there on TV tomorrow at the yeah, Farmers. I think if you were to ask Tiger, he would say, and I, he said this for sure, that the ball is the most important thing. 
Absolutely. And then behind that, he would probably say that the driver is the next most important, and then behind that, the putter. And other than that, I'm not sure how he would characterize it, but I think that's the way he would he would rank things. Sure. I mean, and the thing is, I'm were you surprised at all to see that he chose TaylorMade for his driver? No, TaylorMade makes great drivers. Ta- I think TaylorMade makes the best drivers. Well, that's that, why is, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it, he gave a quote to the press about this putter. I think it was about the putter, but it was about the equipment change. And some journalist asked him, uh, when did you make the decision to go back to your Scotty Cameron or to, it might have been to something else, but I think it was to the Scotty camera. When did you make the decision to go back to it? And Tiger Woods, you know how he always likes to sort of passive-aggressively tell you a lot of stuff without saying it? He says, uh, when Nike... It's like a more eloquent LeBron James. <laughs> he says, when... And far when, more educated. <laughs> yeah, LeBron's pretty smart. but uh, Not he, as smart as he thinks he is. But go ahead, I'm sorry. We're, we're, said, we're, we're getting off topic. Tiger said he made the decision to switch back when Nike got out. Hmm. Which basically implies that it was absolutely certain to him that he would switch back. That he had no affinity whatsoever. That he knew one was better than the other. And so the only thing keeping him using the Nike equipment was his contract. And uh, that makes you think that regardless, you know, we all know what it is about equipment. That, you know, sometimes whether it's better or worse the confidence that it inspires in you to have new equipment or go back to old equipment is valuable. But for a player of his caliber who really understands how to play golf, unlike you or I, right. uh, correct, who stuck with a, the same putter for probably nine years, uh, every tournament, probably won 70 times on tour with it and 13 majors. Uh, mediocre, mediocre results. To go back to that putter above every other putter in the world shows that he he knows that it's better yeah for him well it's also interesting because you know for choosing tailor-made for the driver uh, he never used a tailor-made driver before he signed with nike I, I'm, I'm i probably should know this as the uh the host of a podcast but i'm pretty sure he always used titleist woods prior to signing with nike i think he did too yeah, yeah. um and I, this is just personal preference this has nothing to do i, I think titleist as a brand for the most part makes pretty good stuff but for some reason, I've I've never liked hitting tie, uh, Titleist Woods. Uh, Ti- for some reason, they just never have ever felt good to me. Titleist Woods are not very popular. No, uh, I guess they're not. For for a, for certain players who don't really value distance that much, their fairway woods have been somewhat popular. Mm-hmm. I think they're nine twelve, if I remember the number. And the I nine fourteen. No, I have no fucking idea. What yeah, a few a now. few guys like Adam Scott mm-hmm. uh, have played. I don't know about his driver. It might be Titleist, but he's played. Titleist three woods and things like that over the years and and you know they've won majors and things like mm-hmm. that but you know i've had the same experience as you have uh, i had a Titleist three wood for a long time and it was fine I think, but I think their fairway woods are better than their drivers yeah um, the, somehow the or other Titleist drivers for some reason just have never ever felt good and i don't know how many great players that yeah. i think there's a consensus would disagree out, the consensus out there among uh want to be knowledgeable golf equipment people and among pros maybe that uh i am the former that titleist clubs aren't that live no that they don't they're not very deep well i've also uh i have had the opportunity to have a couple conversations with and have a you know a relationship with a gentleman who was an engineer titleist for a number of years um four and a half years to be exact and then he was poached away by callaway and worked at callaway for a year until he realized that uh golf club engineering was a fucking hoax 
Well, and essentially, there's no improvement year over year. Well, the rules and cap all, the, yeah. Well, and they're all copying each other. There's they're, they're marketing new improvements when there's really no improvements to be made. Well, it's the same he as every other industry. Title is specifically even more so than the other ones. Just didn't care at all. They knew that the Titleist brand itself would be enough to sell new clubs every year, and they really didn't do anything. Speaking for um, myself, I, ha- you know, in my my extensive and high achieving golf game, uh, <laughs> my driver is is ten or twelve years old. I think the the last significant upgrades in driver technology happened in the early two thousands. A very uh, interesting article, by the way. So I'll, I'll, I'll just direct you to it before we we leave here tonight. Um, those guys at My Golf Spy, who I have to admit, if if you guys are not familiar with them, it's a really really great resource for people that want to know more about club equipment because they're totally unbiased. I know the people at Callaway fucking hate them because they just shit on a lot of Callaway's products. Basically, <laughs> it's it's moderately entertaining from a social media standpoint. But all right, back on topic here. Um, they did a comparison from the R7 Super Quad TaylorMade and the uh, new M1 to kind of see, hey, from 10 years ago until today, has there been any kind of a significant difference between the technology and drivers a decade ago and now? And they found that the M1 was noticeably better. Sorry, I'm just going to burp right out of the microphone right there. Is better by all the metrics. Um, not by a great deal, but on average, the M1's about... I think it was somewhere in like seven to ten yards longer. Sounds good to me. And has a little bit higher trajectory. So I mean, there is, but essentially their conclusion was, year after year, there's really no noticeable difference. But if you put it in ten year increments, you know that that's probably about how long you have to wait in between te- technological improvements and golf equipment to actually see any sort of a noticeable difference. Is eight to ten years. That's kind of the cycle where you'll actually start to see some change. Which that makes sense to me. That does. Um, but that, I mean, I'm and like more you, so with drivers, you know, clubs that have yeah, yeah. greater distance intervals. But, uh, well, hey, let's stick with Tiger Woods here. I mean, we are literally. I mean, I, I'm not even sure what we're going to call this podcast yet, but it might as well just be Tiger Watch. Tiger, that, that... Tiger Balls and Shafts. That's the <laughs> name of the podcast. Uh, that I will hold you to that. That's who knows. That's perfect. The farmers. Is starting tomorrow. Tomorrow at nine forty a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mister Tiger Woods is that his tea time? Nine forty in the morning tomorrow. Tiger, Jason Day, and DJ, right? And DJ oh all in one God. group. So Tiger's going to be uh, hitting all of his approach shot, approach uh, shots first in that group. <laughs> yes, yes, he will be. Now I'm actually going to be really, really curious because it didn't seem like he was hitting the ball that much shorter when he was playing at the Hero World no, Challenge than he used to be. But seeing how he's playing with two of the uh, the longest guys on tour, it will be really interesting to see where now, as like a forty year old guy, he stacks up distance wise off the tee with those with the big boys, and how much further is he going to have into every green than those other two? Right, Tiger hits it as far or farther than he ever has, but he used to be number one or two or three on tour mm-hmm. in distance, and now he definitely won't be. He'll. Probably going to be. He'll probably be 30s, 20, 40s. 30, 40, yeah. whatever. If if he's you know consistent, mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why he won't be in the three hundred five kind of range. But that's going to put him 15, 20 yards behind guys like J B Holmes and Dustin Johnson. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I, I'm I'm just so excited to see how he stacks up with basically what two of the best four players in the world. 
he should or get two of the best three actually probably Rory's the only one that could probably have a legitimate argument to say that he's as good as J Day and, and DJ right now right Spieth's kind of yeah at number four I mean 2016 didn't do him any favors in terms of classifying him as the best in the world am I am I out of no, line by saying that no not at all I, I think at the end of the day the best in the world is probably McElroy but he just doesn't seem to engage with the level of uh right. effort that the other ones do and Dustin Johnson same same thing he's incredibly talented uh but he just doesn't seem as passionate. Well, that, that was an interesting conversation that was going around when Rory made his run at the FedEx Cup last year when all of a sudden out of nowhere, after just sucking huge amounts of hairy balls all year, he decided to win a couple of tournaments at the last second and take home the FedEx Cup. Get that cash. Rory and loves money. He does love money. And the thing is, of all the guys you know in that, that top 10 group, who has the highest ceiling? McElroy. It's probably McElroy, right? It, ha yeah. it has to be. Dustin Johnson could make a case for it. Sure. Um and and day is fantastic day, day just always gets hurt always he's always got something it's, if, it, if it isn't vertigo it's the flu if it i'm isn't sure the flu, it's a wrist if it isn't a wrist it's a back if it isn't a this it's a that illness by proxy i mean i'm sure his wife is very lovely but his wife always seems to be she's all kinds of ill she's and getting injured. run into she's, she's, by lebron james yeah, she's, maybe it's rubbing now, off now on, he's back rubbing off on her husband or something i don't know <laughs> it could be um i can't uh, talk shit about jay because he by all accounts he seems like a a swell guy, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, no, I tend to think that that McElroy has the most natural talent. I think so too. It certainly has the highest highest ceiling, and that he also probably has the highest golf IQ. Hmm. I'm hmm. not sure that the other ones know how to play golf quite as well as as McElroy does. I guess it's a good point. McElroy, but none of them. But here's the thing: it's, I we say that, and I I I don't disagree, but they're all they all seem like they're in a different stratosphere than peak tiger well think of what you need oh of course they are right like but even yeah. even though they're the best players well in the they're world all right mentally now, weaker than tiger certainly that's the main thing um hmm. they haven't distinguished themselves from their peers the way that tiger did and we can argue about whether it's because of tiger or because of the era but I mean, it's there a combination was a lot of, those of good players that came in and out when tiger was kind of on his i run. think that when tiger was getting started it was pretty thin in, in terms of looking at the whole span of golf history, mm -hmm. what other guys were really in their prime in the late 90s and early 2000s when Tiger was making hay? How many other multiple major champions were really hitting on all on, on all cylinders at that time? Phil Mickelson. Not even. He didn't win his first major till 2004. Ernie Els. Yes. Ernie Els and Vijay Singh really are the only ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, Els. Guys, I, so here's the thing. I feel like... Ernie L's at his peak and VJ at his peak certainly was just as good as DJ or Rory at right now or yeah, when they're playing well. That's true. Aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. But they're not as good as, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Watson or Lee Trevino okay. or guys like that from their Gary what Player. What about Michael Campbell? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't right. he win one? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, I was like, hey, I thought he, he won one. Goddamn right he did. <laughs> he won the, uh, I think it was the 2005 <laughs> U.S. Open. Was the U.S. Open or a PGA Championship? It wasn't the PGA because I was at that PGA after oh, yeah, he yeah. won, and uh, he had the the big pretty uh, nameplate <laughs> on his stall that, that showed he won the U.S. Open at U.S. Open champion. Yeah, but uh, anyway, interesting. So, no Y E Yang love around here. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> anyway, but you know what? What unifies those great players? They hit the ball a long way. They 
have good touch. You know, DJ has developed great touch in a short game. Um, Day and McElroy have great touch. But they, they hit these high towering iron shots, and they're great with their long irons. They hit par fives in two. They spin. They play a different all their game than back. a lot of the other guys they do. They do, yeah. And, and I, but I don't think Tiger will be unable to play that game. Hmm. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm optimistic. Uh, but what is your prediction for Tiger's finish? Senor Tigre. Well, I admittedly wish I was a little more prepared uh, for this podcast. I do remember seeing uh, some odds on Bovada about what the odds were for him to make the cut. I think I saw odds of something like 30 to 1 to win. Mm, 30, that seems... I, I thought I saw something like plus 6,000. That's the same as 30 to 1-ish. Plus 6,000. It's it's actually a lot It's a lot longer, actually. But yeah. But when you get to those high numbers, you're splitting hairs a little bit. Like the long odds to win. <laughs> long odds. Uh, I mean, if if the internet here at uh, you know Golf Guide headquarters were you know a little a little better, <laughs> then uh, I'd be able to look up these odds for you right now. But Let me uh, just close. Grind. Tiger Woods Let me just prop bets for 2017 Farmers bet. Insurance oh. Open. Okay. Thank goodness, Golf Week. We love you. Thank thanks so much. All right, so let's go through these prop bets real quick. This is kind of how we'll kind of put a, a capper on this nice little uh, Tory Pines, Tiger Woods uh, comeback. I mean, because there's the thing, the Hero World Challenge isn't an official PGA Tour event, so this really is his PGA Tour um, Yes. First you know, time comeback. in 18 months. It's pretty good. So I'm taking work off the next two days. Okay, so uh, according to Golf Week, now this event that I, or this uh, article that I'm referencing right now is titled Tiger Woods Prop Bets for 2017 Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, produced by Golf Week, and it was published on January 23rd. So this is two days old. Ancient um, history. I, I can't imagine things have changed too much. No. Um, but here it says they have Woods listed as 30-1 to 1 to win this week. Right. That's um, what I must have seen. So will Tiger Woods make the cut at the Ooh, 2017 Farmers a, Insurance that Open? That is a great bet. That's I say great. I say yes. I say yes, too. But that, um, you know... I love a, the fucking guy. Tiger, I, you know, right? I really <laughs> shouldn't be allowed to bet on him. Uh, I think he'll make the cut. Yeah, I think he will too. Yeah. Um, they, right now, to make the cut is at. They're both minus. <laughs> yeah, that's that can happen. Yeah, so they're one hundred five or one ten. They're both at minus one fifteen to make and miss the cut. See, yeah, that's where they know they're going to make money. Yeah, fuck yeah, they are because <laughs> everybody loves that bet. <laughs> Uh, I, I would. I, mean, I would probably not take it at minus one fifteen, just because the the payoff isn't very good. But right. I do think he'll win, or excuse me, he'll make the cut. I think he'll make the I, cut too. I think he'll win. Yeah, he'll win the whole tournament. He'll win. Justin Thomas, be damned. I don't I, know if he's playing. If somebody was giving me even money, then yeah, I'd I'd, I'd put my hard earned dollars on him making the cut. Hey, by the way, how long until one of us shoots fifty nine? With the way things are going. April? In a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, April. Actually, yeah. allow me to shamelessly uh, plug... My beard is not that much worse than Adam had one. Allow me to shamelessly plug something on Golf Guide. You know, your boy, Rick Vasek, former yeah. uh, sports editor for the San Jose Mercury that News guy. and senior writer for Golf Guide. Yeah. Um, he did post a, uh, a really interesting article on Golf Guide, I think it was last week, on, you know, kind of how now that we've had 259s this year and, like, the mental... Um, you know, mentally what goes into shooting a 59 and what is the amateur equivalent 
to like what those guys are going through as they're shooting 59 probably breaking 80 it well i mean not, not so much as it's not score based in terms of like the the thought process and what they go through uh. in terms of anal- it's pretty interesting so if you're curious to what that's like uh i encourage all of you I, listening I to go visit that. golfguide.net i think it's still in the uh recent articles on the left hand side of the homepage. the title is uh while the pros shoot 59 we just try to get up to par oh what? well well how about that huh <laughs> that um, but anyway, we got to respect the Tiger. Okay. He'll make the cut. He'll finish, you know, 50th or something. It'll be good. Yeah. I, 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 that's that's about what I think. Um, will Tiger Woods withdraw? No. Yes, plus 300. No, minus 400. Oh, that's a good bet for no. Yeah. Uh, I, I would bet a lot at minus 400 yeah, on no. Absolutely. I, I don't think he will either. Uh, will Tiger Woods finish in the top five? No. They give you plus, plus, they give you plus 450. No way. It's yeah. a stupid bet. <laughs> That'd be real dumb to bet that. Although, no is minus 700. I wouldn't bet either of those. Yeah. Will Tiger Woods finish in the top 10 at the Farmers Insurance Open? Mm. What is it, plus three? Plus 350. That is... That's close to attractive, but I'm still not going to do it. What's I mean, the no bet? Uh, the no bet is minus 500. I might do that. I might do it. It still probably wouldn't. It's too. It's too uncertain. He may. Mm. All right. So here, this is where we're starting to get a little. I like a, the withdraw bet the most. You can get a little. So wait a minute. On this. Wait a minute. He's minus. I'm sorry to interrupt. He's no, minus five hundred for the top ten. Correct. And minus seven hundred. And, mi- and minus four hundred to withdraw. According to this golf week article, yes. That, er, ladies and gentlemen, I know you have a lot of time before the tournament <laughs> starts. You probably have like twelve hours. Less, I'm going to try to release this tonight so people can listen to it on their way to work tomorrow morning. Bet everything that Tiger <laughs> won't withdraw. <laughs> Bet it all. <laughs> everything you've got. First of all, if he misses the cut, he has only two rounds in which to withdraw. <laughs> so you'll win the bet if he misses the cut. Second of all, he won't withdraw, believe me. Yeah, that's, that's that, free that, money. Isn't that, that free money? It's free money. God damn. All right, you heard it here first. Now, here's this. these are actual, these little props actually are pretty interesting. Uh, over under, um, how many birdies will Tiger Woods record during the 2017 Farmers Insurance Open? Oh my God! So we have to figure out whether he's going to make the cut or not. Well, the over under—that's well, true. So the over under is at six and a half birdies. Oh, that's the, a great. To, to take the over is minus one ten, and the under is minus one twenty. I'll take the over because yeah. if he makes the cut, he's going to get it for sure. And we, since we both, I think, agree that he's going to make the cut, that seems. Like the only logical, you, you got to take the over. That's the way to go. Um, how many bogeys or worse? I'll take the over too because <laughs> I'll make the cut. Overs at eight and a half. Take the over. Take the over at minus 115. Tiger Woods' highest score on any single I'll, hole. I'll, sorry, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Please. I'm less bullish on the <laughs> over for the bogeys than I am for the birdies. I would take the over for the birdies before I would take the bogeys because if he misses the cut, yeah. Uh, you know, et cetera. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> that was a great explanation. Yeah, so fair. accept it. Okay. <laughs> Accepted. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, highest score on any single hole during the 2017 six, Farmers six, Insurance six Open. Six and a half. Six and a half. I'll take the under. The under is at minus 130. The over is at plus 100. Even money on Boy, over. Boy, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's actually they, they pretty tried tough. To, they tried to juice the over a little Are bit. You go, is he going to double He's a par 5? He's not going to make a 7. First of all, if he... Well... I uh, think he... Did he double a par 5 at the Hero? 
Although, because, I mean, he's, he's, played, Torrey, he's played more golf since then. Think so. about Torrey Pines. It doesn't have a lot of hazards. The greens aren't that crazy. He's not going to double a hole. A par five? Or triple a par four? No way. Just super narrow fairways, deep bunkers. They're not super narrow. Nasty rough. They're I not mean, super narrow fairways. Ah, that would seem really narrow to no. me when you watch it on TV. You don't think so? No. I mean, it is a Reese Jones redesign, and he has a penchant for redesigning courses to just suck it's just horrible long. amounts it's of long. ass. It's long. That's the main thing long, about it. It's long. uncomfortable golf. He won't make a seven. Okay. All right. He's not going to make a seven. Tiger Woods' lowest 18-hole round score. 69 and a half? Actually. 68 and a half? No, they're giving you a full 70 and a half. Oh, I'll take the under. Fuck yeah, you will. Yeah. The under's at minus 130. The over's at plus one. Oh, so this is the oh, no, 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 Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, I was reading the wrong thing. Both the over and the under are minus 115. Ooh. Gotta take you know, I, I'm not that attracted to that bet because if he misses the cut, you only get two shots at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so I probably would steer clear of that one. Now, hold on a second here. So that was lowest round on the but north course. But if I had course. to bet, I'd bet the, uh, the under. Okay, so it, am, am I totally out of the loop Are they on, on different courses? I think so. I think Thursday and Friday are played on one God. of each of the two courses. I think you're right, but God only knows. So... The over under for his it's low all the more reason to well his over under for low round on each of the courses at seventy and a half, um, but on the south course so the one that I'd said before was the north course which is supposedly the easier of the two it was is rec- that is that the case so the U S Open was played on the south course yeah okay um, the north course um, actually just went under a massive massive renovation it's been closed for a year Tom Weiskopf went up and redid the whole thing to make it more playable so essentially. The South Course is stupidly difficult, and most average golfers would have absolutely no fun. Alluding back to that same thing, where Reese Jones, uh, son and you know lesser accomplished of the Robert Trent Jones's sons, uh, so much so that he was not given the same name as his father, as his brother, <laughs> as his brother was, and he was named Reese, and his name was Reese. He, uh, you know, people that are a little more candid like us uh, understand that he basically is not very good. And that what he does, his the only thing he's really good at is going into golf courses and tricking them out to make them absurdly difficult. So for the one week out of every however many hundreds of weeks that there's a professional golf tournament there, um, it can be a stern test. He's you the know. Michael Bay of golf course Cor- designers, Cor- right? <laughs> <laughs> so the South Course is just stupidly difficult and kind of boring. He kind of sucks all the life out of them and kind of makes them just generally less fun because all he's focused on is just making them absurdly difficult. Or the North Course, there was a large emphasis on it being playable and friendly for golfers of all skill levels. Okay. But that being said, uh, there must be some sort of tee box on the North Course that's way, way back because the over-under for both is at 70.5. It's the same. Same. Same for both courses. Yes. If I had to pick, I'd take the under. Yeah, I think so too. But the North Course, certainly, right? The North Course, the under, the South Course... Where he won the, but he's won a U.S. Open at the South Course. He's I, I think he's won what eight times at Torrey. Like com, comes out in the wash. He has more experience with the South Course. Right. Okay. Um, Tiger Woods finishing positions. It's the last. The last bets we'll go through here. So I would say missionary. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? What was the? Uh... <laughs> to win thirty oh, to one. Oh. <laughs> he. I don't know. Tiger. There's just some poor poor fucking guy. I, like he's the best athlete in a generation in a in a. The most beautiful sport, and he's just the butt of all my terrible sexual jokes. So the guy can't catch a break. Tiger just always seemed like the guy that doesn't necessarily want to look anybody in the face, or at least any of his female counterparts. 
think they're they're interchangeable. I think he did something in their faces. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> I digress. To win it, thirty to one. So uh, I'll go through like he, he's not gonna, he's not going to win. Obviously, he's not going to win. So I I guess at, I'll just keep asking you: At what point do you start to be a little interested in putting some action on this? I think yeah. Go ahead. So to win it, thirty to one. To finish top ten, is it fifteen to one? Okay. Top it's, twenty still wouldn't take it. Top twenty, nine to one. Yeah, I would take that. That's where That's you kind of start, start yeah. to get a little interested. That sounds more reasonable. So to me. yeah, eleventh to nineteenth place is nine to one. Um, no, no, no. First to nineteenth, right? Eleventh to nineteenth. Oh bullshit! Who takes that? That's a, so if he wins the tournament, you don't want that bet. It's fucking stupid. That seems crazy. So I'm, I'm assuming that if you wanted him to finish top twenty, maybe you'd be getting like eight to one. That, eh. I, not, I still probably I, I might take that. Yeah, th- these bets are weird that they're not like top. They're basically tiered. Where if you finish yeah. from this to this, I've never um, seen bets like that. In real well, casinos. Twentieth uh, to thirtieth is at plus five fifty. Thirty first to fortieth at four uh, I, to I one. Don't, I don't care about those tiers. That's a weird way to bet. That seems really weird. I feel like I. I for How d- can you possibly d- make a bet that somebody's going to finish between fortieth and fiftieth? I mean, that's a, that's a strange way to think about. How a tournament's going to go? Very, very weird. Um, I don't want Bodog. Is Bodog good? Yeah, Bodog is. Is good. Bodog the same as Bovada? They both have bow, <laughs> but they're it's different. It's Bodog. Bodog is fine. I didn't know they did. Uh, they did golf. Um, if I'm going first round, I'm not trying to look for the Evian Elvira, whatever it is. I want to find Farmers Insurance Open. Thank you. So. These are numbers to win from Bodog as of 8.58 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's very current. Wednesday, January 25th. That's this very moment. Uh, That is at this exact moment. Right now, uh, DJ's got the best odds to win at plus 900. And J-Day's at plus 1,000. Matsuyama at plus 1,200. Okay. Of those three, do any of them tickle your fancy? Oh... Uh, By maybe the way, DJ. Odds on Tiger have gone down, or well, or up. What would it be? <laughs> you're, you're, the payout has de- decreased. <laughs> they, on a bet, they've gone. D- they've gone down. Okay, thank you. Uh, that makes sense because the public loves Tiger. They're, everybody's getting a big hard on about watching Tiger play again. So boner, all the money's my coming boner in. My boner is so big right now. It, Ladies and gentlemen, always remember, the odds are not about who the odds makers think is going to win. Entirely, they are about who they think they can make money off of betting on it. Correct. So the lower they put the tiger odds, they guard themselves against the downside risk, while still raking in money of people who are going to bet regardless because they're not scrutinizing the numbers. So I like DJ at plus nine hundred out of that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DJ at plus nine hundred. Uh, as of right now, Bodog has Tiger to win it. Plus 2,500. No. Better odds no. than Phil Mickelson. Insane. Better odds than Insane. Ricky Fowler. I mean, Ricky Fowler, maybe. Better Ricky odds than Jimmy Walker. Oh, well. Better no, odds. No, that's because nobody's going to bet on Jimmy Walker. Better odds than Oosthuizen, Leishman, Tony Finau, Shane that's, Lowry. That is, well, you know, they're just trying to get your money. Wow. Better odds than Phil. Phil's at plus 3,300. I mean, right Phil now. looked a little bit grubby. Last week he was kind of push. He was hitting every shot to the to the left, but nevertheless, I better mean, ha- odds than fucking Justin Rose. 
Wait a minute. Justin Rose at plus 2,800 and Tigers at plus 2,500. Where's the Tiger versus the field bet? <sighs> wow. So let's see. Is or how about Tiger versus particular opponents? That's the bet to take. Props. All right. Prop bets. This is what I'm looking for. So top five finish. Tigers at plus 700. No. Finish top five. Don't do it, everybody. Don't. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Ricky Fowler and Tiger. Ricky Fowler, Tiger Woods, and Phil Mickelson versus the field. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gets you Just what? like a nuclear wasteland. <laughs> uh, it's probably it's probably like plus 300. Plus 1,000. A thousand. Yeah, they knew it was terrible. Ten, okay, ten I thought they were one. trying to sucker everybody in, but that uh, actually makes it plus ten thousand. Yeah, plus a thousand makes it kind of attractive. You can take the field at minus twenty five hundred. Oh no! Don't don't, need, don't do either of those bets. Just save your sanity. Uh, Matsuyama, uh, Brooks Kepka, Jimmy Walker versus the field at plus five hundred. Don't take that either. J Day and DJ versus the field at plus four hundred. That's mm, that's tempting. not awful, but I, I still wouldn't take it. Uh, I still say the odds are betting on Tiger not withdrawing. I mean, that's th- that bet is uh, smooth sailing. Jesus. So top five finish: uh, DJ plus two hundred, J Day plus two hundred. Take that. Take both of those. Yeah, that's Matsuyama plus two seventy five. Consider and, that one. And then you jump up to Snedeker, Kepka, no, Jimmy Snedeker. Walker, Rose. I know he did. He win last year, Snedeker. Uh yeah, the farmers yeah. insurance open. So Correct. so bet against him. He'll probably yeah. suck this year. <laughs> okay, here we go. So Bodog, top ten finish. None of this, you know, five to ten bullshit. Yes, or whatever. thank you. So top ten finish for La Tigre. Oh God, plus three hundred. No, can that possibly be oh, right? That's bad. Well, they're trying to take your money. Oh, that's that's they, not good. They obviously feel like there's. Not enough wagering going on in this tournament, so they see that all the people who are going to wager are Tiger people, and they can basically give them whatever shitty odds they want, and they're still going to bet on it. That is insane. That's a bad bet. Wow. Not to say that it couldn't happen. All right, you ready for this? plus 300 sucks. Top English finisher. (laughs) I'm not talking about English speaking. Yeah, right. (laughs) Justin Rose at minus 125, Paul Casey at plus 125, and Andrew Johnston at plus 750. I don't, I don't know enough about how those guys are playing now to give you advice on that. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is uh, something that you know, many friends of mine thought about when they were going to different massage parlors in, uh, in Bangkok. But top Asian. Top Asian. Top, <laughs> uh, top Asian Matsu- finisher. Matsuyama's got to be like minus 300. Uh, minus 135. That's a good bet. Take that. Take that. Take that. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Hideki at minus one thirty five. Who's the next one? Uh Byung Hyung and on. No, take plus four. Matsuyama minus one thirty five is a great bet Free for money. top Asian finisher. <laughs> yes. It sounds wrong to say, but that is what they say. <laughs> but it also sounds oh so right. <laughs> also right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh let's see. Oh. Tiger Woods first tee shot to hit the fairway. He always misses the fairway. Say missed fairway. Uh, so, no. Okay, so 
R one. Okay. What a, I love this fucking okay. shit. The the more the more discreet the bet is, the better it is. Like I long for the day where golf is so live with betting that we can say he'll, whether he'll make the putt, whether he'll miss the putt. It's going to be it, glorious. It, golf is it? a degenerate gambler's dream. Absolutely, sport. absolutely, it is. You've got you've got like ninety seconds to three <laughs> or four minutes between shots. Enough time for you to get a couple of. We should open yeah, up. A, oh. We should open up a book. Well, with exclusive exclusive golf betting at one of these uh, there's some regulatory <laughs> obstacles uh, to doing yes. that okay okay so uh r1 tigers woods's first tee shot to hit the fairway yes minus 140 take no no plus 110 bet all the money on no <laughs> he never hits the fairway with his first drive ever even when he was playing his best he never hit the fairway wow and then you have a uh, tiger uh to make the cut yes at minus 165 no at plus 125 I think he'll make the cut, but I would take no at plus one twenty five over yes at one at minus one sixty five. He finished fifteenth at the Hero. Yeah. So they they really just know that people want to bet for Tiger because they people love him. So like us, if you're trying to make money, bet the no. Uh, round one matchup: Who finishes with a better score, uh, DJ or J Day? DJ. Even odds on both of them: minus one fifteen on either one. Bet on in head to head matchup: Woods versus Matsuyama. Tigers at plus one fifteen. Okay, and Matsuyama's at minus one fifty. Come on, like what bet, the fuck? Bet all your money on Matsuyama. <laughs> yeah, like bet. What? Take go <laughs> tell your wife that you're 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 taking out uh, a line of credit against the house. You're you're maxing out the line of credit, and you are betting it on Matsuyama to win that bet. What kind of? Uh, all right, so tournament group betting. Where you have like basically five players, who's going to have the best score out of the five players? Yes. Um, you got Tiger, J.B. Holmes, Phil Mickelson, Paul Casey, and Charles Howell the third. Oh my God! What a motley crew! What a that fucking is. motley crew! They have this group B. Again, Who was the second one? Mickelson. J.B. Holmes. Oh so Mickelson, J.B. Holmes, Paul Casey, Charles Howell the third, Tiger. <laughs> I, Tiger's I, at plus you know two fifty. He has the best odds out of any of them. Those are the best. Yeah. The, the, really. Yeah. See, I don't know enough about how those guys are playing. I can't properly give advice on that bet. That's, I'm not going to lie. It, it just becomes so degenerate after that that I can't even muster the energy to read you off any of the other prop bets that are going on this weekend. This is pretty degenerate, which I love. But, uh, my God. I mean, what month? It's, it is January, right? It's fucking and we're, Jan- we're talking about five-player group <laughs> money line bets. For losers like us... This is why this podcast God exists. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, gambling is lovely. Anyway, this was fun. Yeah. Tomorrow, Tiger Woods tees off. We're going to see how this goes. And it's going to be awesome. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm really, really hoping he makes the cut. I, I don't have any um, wishes. Or, I mean, obviously, I'd love for him to do as well as possible. But as long as he makes the cut and gets to play on Saturday and Sunday, I'll be happy. I want to see the fucking guy win the tournament. I mean, I think we all do. But yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, it, it's great. The it's always been fun to watch Tiger play for whatever reason. Now it's fun to watch Tiger play because we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Nobody knows what to expect. Now, this is a prop bet that I wish I would have seen on there that I'll I'll give to you to see what kind of odds you would put on this just as an individual. And also, if you were um, the odds maker, Tiger Woods to beat one of his two playing partners. In round one tomorrow. With DJ and and uh, J-Day. Right. DJ Day. DJ Day. <laughs> DJ Day. J-DJ. 
I would say plus 300. Okay. Lower Which I think I would thought. be a pretty attractive bet because one of those guys could just decide not to care. Uh, or like, or Jason Day could have the flu or yeah, like, I feel like Jason fucking Day Lyme disease or whatever. More so he, than DJ could have that random plus one, plus yeah, two round. He could. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But a lot of these, you know, they're pretty rested. Everybody's rested. Like, I don't see a lot of big duds being laid by these guys. But we'll see. I am hoping to watch this at work surreptitiously yes. tomorrow on some sort of live stream. I will be. And I hope all of you do the same. All of us, uh, all of our fair listeners in the audience, and thank you for listening to the Golf Guide podcast. I know it's just always so wonderful. I mean, here's the thing: regardless of how many people listen to this thing, which, as we were just discussing before this podcast started, it's a shitload. I am shocked with how many people are listening to this. It's, it's a <laughs> shockingly high number. <laughs> it's plus eight fifty. It. I, I. I don't even quite understand how that's happened. But even if it was. Eight and a half people. <laughs> Eight and a half men that hit I, show. I just have such a God oh, damn love. wonderful time it, sitting know, down and drinking. Just get to. By the way, we never told about today. We're drinking. Yeah, what are, what are two different. We're drinking Oscar Blues, uh, throwback IPA, and their standard IPA. Oscar Blues. I don't know where in Colorado they brew, but they're they not sponsors. They make a good beer. They make we a really get, really good beer. How about lining up some beer sponsors here, boss? So as if we're going to preview a little bit of the next Golf Guide magazine, um, there was something we were planning on doing last fall in, in the, the last issue of Golf Guide magazine that we basically tabled until the spring because we thought the readership would be higher and there'd be a just generally more interest uh, having it be in the magazine that's in circulation in the summertime. But we are actually going to produce that best beer article Ooh. Um, oh my. of the best, you know, beers. Golf beer. Yeah, the best beers to drink while you're out playing golf. So... If anybody it's so is different than what you're doing when you drink beer at other times. Correct. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is some people, um, and I, know, I think I get it. from right. an editorial standpoint, we've I've kind of decided that um, instead of me trying to get research and gather all types of things, I'll you know write up you know a couple hundred words, and then I'm just going to go out and solicit and ask various people around the golf industry, and both professionally on the amateur level, and also people that work in the beer industry what their opinions are and just try to publish as many interesting responses as i could possibly get sounds good to me so i'm looking forward to that on that note do you, do you have anything off the top of your head that uh, a, a cerveza that, that comes to mind for you sierra nevada pale ale the ones in the can not the ones in the uh glass <laughs> right. bottles that may or may not break off into the uh into the glass and get recalled i have something horrifically embarrassing to admit I I think pale ale is probably the one for me, but right now I'm actually kind of struggling between two vastly different options when it comes to my favorite beer to drink while I'm out playing golf. On one end, I have Sierra Pale Ale because it's more or less my favorite beer in general. <coughs> Excuse me, as I'm drinking beer. I hate to admit it, the banquet beer is really up there for uh, me. I I've had that many a time on a golf course. I it, it just goes down is, is, so smooth. Is a Bloody Mary a beer? Because that's know, a good golf drink if well, you're teeing off the in the thing morning. Is like we, you know, we because we're kind of in one of the craft beer meccas, you know, of the right. world. You know, our, our coverage area extends all the way up to Oregon, all the way down the coast, and from San Diego to Portland. I mean, I don't even know how many Not hundreds or thousands of breweries you have. Distilleries in the I area. Mean, I mean, there's a distillery out in Sebastopol. I mean, they're, they're here and there, but it just seems like the, the beer question was yeah, more appropriate more, more pertinent. 
So if so you got I will think over my answer and we'll talk about it. As I start to collect this information, anybody listening to this podcast, if you could tweet tweet motherfucking tweet at me at golf guide trying to net. whistle just now it didn't work out at all <laughs> it didn't work out so it was very funny to sit here across the table for you and watch you you probably Attempt heard to whistle the air the going with, the microphone that didn't work <laughs> with nothing happening wow um at golf guide net on twitter um or i guess it would be a golf guide on facebook uh you can also follow us on instagram which is golf guide underscore <laughs> Somebody already took golf guide. Oh my god! Somebody already took golf guide. Somebody took golf dot guide. Somebody took golf underscore guide. Motherfucking just hosers out there, <laughs> just stealing our shit. So we're golf guide underscore. You should have done golf guide with two Fs. <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> we should just change the whole publication golf title to golf guide. guide. Golf guide. <laughs> that would be pretty slick. Um, but yeah, That's so like me trying to whistle. <laughs> More, more or less the same exact noise. Okay, uh, so, yeah, if you reach out to us, if you have an opinion on what beer you like to drink when you're out playing golf, I'm actually, sadly, very interested to know uh, just because I'd like to honestly plot out all the data. And so even after we come out with the responses for all the different people, I'd like to have like a diagram of all the various responses and how many of what beers got chosen. With Perhaps the frequency a, a pie chart. A pie chart would seem to be very apropos for, yes. for something like this. So... Um, I'd like to do that. Um, other than that, thank you guys all again for listening. Um, if you guys do enjoy the podcast, I would ask uh, as a favor, but also stress that is your duty as a <laughs> as a listener to leave us a leave us a review on iTunes or whatever medium you are listening to this podcast from. Five star reviews are obviously ideal. I was about to say it, only if it's four or five stars. If you have you know, another level of stars, then just stop listening. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is if if you think the podcast is only worth one, two or three stars, then then really you know, are you such a huge loser that you're going to spend an hour listening to a three-star podcast? We're, we're an hour into this podcast. I mean, my I mean, god. What have you done with the last 60 fucking minutes of your life? If you're that big a loser, then don't even bother. Yeah. Who needs your review? Yeah, honestly. But we do love you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just don't leave a review then. But if you do enjoy the podcast, I would ask that you please leave us a review. Um, we actually have had a handful of reviews <laughs> left for us already, which I must say are pretty <laughs> fucking funny. Um, are these all from prisoners or are I, they real people? I have a and sneaking, not the prisoners aren't real people. I, I have mean. a sneaking suspicion that one or two of them may be from friends of yours not friends of ours just friends of of the podcast you know pe people yeah that well sure that, <laughs> uh, i i did notice that one review referred to us as the bill swirsky super fans of golf okay are you familiar with the I'm saturday night Live skit no the the chris farley oh it's uh, before my time so like the 1980s skit where they're all like in the chicago sports bar like da bears oh that da bears okay i didn't know that was yeah, the, the name they're, they're, yeah yeah they're okay. called bill swarsky super fans that's they've called us the bill swarsky of golf i'll take that as a compliment i take that as a huge compliment if that the uh, reviewer was being honest uh cheers thank you thank you <laughs> to tiger <laughs> right <laughs> um anything else you want to add before we we sign off I'm, here? I'm just so happy to have done another podcast with you kyle and uh Thank you for having me back. Thank you very much, man. I think uh, I'm hoping that we'll get, you know, obviously you're a, a busy, go, go busy man. Go Tiger. Go Tiger. Go Tiger. Go tiger. Uh, I do actually have a couple of other guests 
uh, that are scheduled to appear in the next couple of weeks. My hope is that you're you'll cheating on me. No, well, my hope is that you will be here to join me. Sure it is. And so the two of us can grill these people. That uh, reminds me of together. when a girl says, I'll only have a three-way if you're there. And meanwhile, all they want to do is fuck someone else. I'll consult my calendar and see you know, whether I can. Well, also, one other thing to add is that uh, for 2017, Golf Guide is starting to put together. Um, we just started making a couple contacts last week, and we're putting the calendar together. Um, we're actually going to be having a few member-for-a-day events later mm-hmm. uh, in the summer and early fall, and... A couple of the courses that we have could potentially be pretty fucking awesome. Um, all of them are going to be based on the Bay Area initially. And then if this year goes well and we have a good turnout at the two or three events that we're going to do, uh, we'll expand the calendar to hopefully five, six, seven events next year. So it'll give us and more importantly, the listeners and the readers of Golf Guide a chance to go play some really cool private courses that they might otherwise never have a chance to go play. Uh, one of the ones this year we're hoping to get a really nice 18-hole Alistair McKenzie design in. Um, Meadow Club. I can tell you right now it's not going to be Meadow <laughs> Club. However, it's one that I personally think is on the same level of awesomeness as Meadow Club. So I that's not confirmed yet, but that's something I'm working on. So hopefully I'll have some good news for everybody on that in the next you know month or so. Stay tuned. Please stay tuned. Um, anything else you want to add? Well, I'm just going to take a piss when this podcast is over, just so the listeners can, you know, understand my exact feelings at this moment. It's a phenomenal but, decision. But thank you for listening, and it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Everybody, until, uh, you know, what I'm hoping is until next week with uh, Sir Kasem here, but uh, if not, two weeks from now, and uh, we will be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Tiger. Yo. Hashtag blessed. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.